everyone. Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me a couple days post-trade deadline. As, uh, you know, we like to give it a couple days. That's our strategy. Give it a couple days after the deadline. Let the dust settle. Let the Dodonovs fall where they may. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll just kind of break down all these trades. And uh, some players have already played their first game with their new team. So, uh, kind of a, a good time to jump in. Justin, how did you feel about trade deadline day? And hi, by the way. Oh, hi. Welcome back <laughs> to this, yeah, the great state of Michigan. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Down in South Boy. Carolina. Yeah, a little jealous. No, uh, ho- no hockey teams down there. They don't even know what it is, really. <laughs> yeah, trade deadline day was uh, was fun. I mean... You know, unfortunately, I got stuck working, so I'm sitting here, uh, you know, TSN on the phone every couple minutes, the Twitter, just refreshing the screens and seeing what's going on. I felt like uh, checking my phone so often, like some of those guys on TSN where you just, all you see is Darren Dreger just literally staring down at his Blackberry the whole entire time. His Blackberry, like he just still (laughs) has a Blackberry. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. uh, This this trade deadline, I mean, uh, no shame in working on a Monday morning, you know, that's... I think that's pretty typical. It is funny that it's on a Monday. You know, I wouldn't it be in the NHL's interest to make the trade deadline like Friday at 7 p.m. so that Yeah, like a spectacle, right? Yeah, I mean, and you tell teams like, "Hey, you uh you need to start trade like you can't trade anybody until like 3 p.m." <laughs> I don't know. Like make it a make it a crazy event instead yeah, of just Yeah, as well. A Monday uh, let's make, like, I mean, think about for, for like TSN who, you know, they, they don't have, they don't own the rights to anything. They just like basically kind of piggyback off sports net and trade deadline is a huge day for their team. Uh, it's literally like the, one of their biggest days of the year is a, a random Monday in March, <laughs> a Monday during the day. It's like, I mean, how many soccer moms are sitting around at home watching TSN or ESPN soccer moms like tuned into trade deadline I don't I don't know it just seems like it could be it could be done a little better in my opinion but yeah well not only that too but like I I often forget like oh crap you know three o'clock hits and you're still sitting around for a couple hours as deals trickle in sure and then I I forget like oh crap there's hockey tonight like there's right. other shit I got to pay That's attention it. to. Like, <laughs> I want to sit here and, and break down these trades. I want to go on Cat Friendly and see what's going on. And yeah, give us and, the day do, off, right? Give players the do day all this off, other geez. stuff. I mean, yeah, and yeah, especially those players that have been sitting around. Right, there might be guys like you know, for example, the Red Wings. Right, uh, my team I I follow quite frequently. They um, there were rumors flying around about Tyler Bertuzzi might be on the block. He might be moved. And you got to think for a guy like that, that didn't end up getting moved. Maybe he's sitting around panicking all day, looking at real estate. Like what the frick I'm going to have to sell my house now, all this other <laughs> shit that's going through someone's mind sometimes is, you know, 20 year old kid. Sure. And then, yeah. Oh, I'm not getting dealt. I got to go play hockey tonight. And it's like, where the frick am I mentally? Oh, that was like you know? Philip, Philip Forsberg. I mean, there was a lot of rumors yeah, about him getting same. dealt. And then uh, he went out and got five points. Right. So he, he, he uh, maybe that's just like a giant fu. Just. Well, he rewarded the <laughs> the predators in that sense. No, I. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's let's uh, truck through trades. And no, we're gonna go through a few trades before trade deadline. It helps to uh, frame the whole conversation, anyways. 
Um, but we haven't talked in a couple weeks. So, uh, we'll just kind of break down all the major deals. We're, we're going to leave out some of the lesser deals. Uh, you know, the, the players that are like beyond fourth line players, we'll, we'll just skip over those, but let's start March 14th when the Colorado avalanche acquired Josh Manson from the Anaheim ducks, uh, for drew Hellison and a second round pick in 2023. Uh, this trade by the Avalanche I, kind of seals the deal on their weakest part of their team, and that was their back end, yeah? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you think about it right outside of Kale McCarr and Devin Taves, really they were lacking not only a little bit of, you know, uh, just defensive defensiveness, but um, a little bit of grit too, right? And a guy like Josh Manson really brings the sandpaper. He really brings really everything, and he still has that that – slight capability of you know being that that offensive guy too right for that second pairing he can still bring a little bit of that so um really enjoyed that and i mean you you look at his time in anaheim right he was just he was always a top four guy he can log big minutes and you even go back to 17 18 putting up 37 points so you know that's not really out of the realm if he you know when he has the right type of guys to play with he can still produce but uh he was he's not he was a plus 34 that year crazy year there (laughs) Uh, so far, uh, nothing doing with the Avalanche in terms of uh, of putting up a point. He he hasn't put up a point in the three games he's played so far, but uh, definitely just shores up that whole entire group. I mean, it, it gives them a lot of flexibility. You don't even technically have to put him in your top four, although I think that that's you know mainly where he'll he'll find himself. But uh, you can you can kind of shift him up and down and and find a good fit for him on a, as a right-handed D. You know, Samuel Gerrard he can play the right side. Makar does, Johnson does, and you've got Manson. So you got three, four guys that can play the right side. Gerrard will probably play the left side for right now, but uh, it, it does really help them come playoff time because it's almost a guarantee someone's going to get hurt. So uh, it, well, it, someone just got hurt too, right? Last night, I mean. You look at uh, what's his face, Ryan Murray. I, th- I think it was blocking a shot. He was in their top four. I think he was playing left side with Manson last yeah. night, and he ends up going down. So, thank goodness they got him because now they they would have had. I mean, yeah, Ryan Murray's not exactly you know a top four like you know standout, but he's he's a quality D man, and so now you've just you know really solidified the need to have a guy like Josh Manson back there. Right, exactly. Uh, the Avalanche also ship off longtime guy they drafted Tyson Jost for Nico Sturm with the Minnesota Wild. So Tyson Jost gets uh gets dealt finally. I mean, we've been talking about him getting dealt for 3 years. <laughs> right. Um not never has been able to put up the kind of numbers that uh you know, his rookie season, 12 goals in 65 games and you start to kind of get excited about a a 19-year-old who's putting up those kinds of numbers and he's never I mean, he never had 12 goals again. Uh, so far this year, he's got six in uh, three games with Minnesota. He's got an assist. So uh, it's it's going to be, you know, he's going to play in their bottom six and uh, kind of does something a little different than what Nico Sturm th- does, where Nico Sturm, I think, is a little harder of a player. Uh, Tyson Jost gives you that speed. So I think Minnesota, it's a good deal for both teams because Minnesota, they kind of need that speed. And Colorado needs a little bit more of that hard-nosed play. 
And I think that it it works better for both players because now Jost can potentially play up in the like in the top six, maybe top top nine. Um, and they don't Nico Sturm. He's going to go and he's going to play on the fourth line for Colorado. So I think it kind of slots guys a little better as well. Yeah, and overall, I think from a Colorado perspective, right, their goal for that was to shed some cap money, and that's what they did. They saved one point two five or one point two seven five mil. So, kudos. Yep. Yep. Save some cap money, and uh, you know, once once this year's over, uh, that's the kind of the party's going to begin for for both of these teams. But Tyson Jost has another year left, and he's an RFA. Um, so that's just money that Colorado doesn't have to worry about after this year, too. So I, I think all in all, a good trade for both teams. Probably Minnesota gets, you know, they get the little bit little bit of an edge because Tyson Jost will be there next year, uh, whereas Nico Sturm, I mean, he might resign with Colorado, but you got to give him a new contract. Uh, so, yeah, Colorado uh, made, made some moves later on. We'll, we'll get to those. Uh, Rangers... Acquire Frank Vitrano for the from the Florida Panthers for basically you know fourth round pick, kind of a, a a lighter move. But Frank Vitrano was playing well for the Panthers at one point and just kind of found himself way down in the lineup. And uh, but here he is, you know he's got twenty points, eleven goals, and for the Rangers maybe he's uh, exactly what they need to kind of get some scoring in their bottom six. I mean in four games he's got a goal, not not anything to write home about uh granted that is a 20 goal season if you score one goal every four games but uh we'll see how he kind of fits in there what any thoughts on frank vetrano going to the rangers yeah i mean listen we we know the rangers their their right side was a big weakness for them and so you know i I have no idea about capococco's injury uh and when he might be back but you know again you get an option for your middle six to put on the right side and a guy who at one point in Florida was putting up 30, 40 points. So maybe you can get a little bit of that spark back, a little bit more juice. And, uh, you know, it just costs you a little bit of cap money. I mean, honestly, let's be let's be real here. Fourth-round picks don't really turn into much. So really they, they add a guy who they can put in, you know, at least on their third line on the right wing and, and provide some depth scoring. Yeah, I mean, if you can find that Frank Vitrano that scored 24 goals just uh, three years ago, four years ago, I mean, you're, you'll be in real good shape. If, if that's what he brings to you. But, I mean, even if he's just provides some depth scoring, the Rangers need someone to score for them. Uh, if if there's a weakness, yep. it's their goal scoring and, and, and their depth. Uh, every team has a good first line. The Rangers have that. But the Rangers don't have much beyond that because, you know, hey, some of their draft picks, uh, Kako and Lafreniere, just haven't panned out the way that you'd hope a first overall, second overall pick would or as quickly as they they usually do so that has hurt maybe what they thought they might have in their top six and uh, they've kind of had to piece it together and i think frank vetrano gives some some good depth uh let's go keep sticking with the florida panthers who after making that trade to free up some uh some salary from frank vetrano they go and acquire ben Sherratt from the montreal canadians for ty smolenic a first round pick and a fourth round pick uh, your thoughts on what, in my opinion, is probably the worst trade of the entire trade deadline re- uh, arena. The worst trade, the you worst say, trade. Huh? This is the worst oh. trade because the Florida gave up way too much. You're not going to even 
entertain the Travis Hamanick Ottawa debacle. We can get to that later because that obviously to me is the worst trade. But well, but um, but in the end, it's a it's a third round pick, right? Like it's sure, not sure. it's not much. Um, whereas, well, okay. Let let I want to hear your thoughts on this deal first. Yeah, I I will admit. Um, the NHL and a lot of teams had a love affair with Ben Sherrod over what he was able to do in last year's playoff run with Montreal. And I like the guy. I think he's a quality top four defenseman. However, is he worth first round pick? No, not in my opinion. I would never pay that price for a guy like Ben Sherrod, especially a guy who just doesn't give you that offensive production. Right. Um, and who hasn't really had, you know, I mean, he was good in, in Winnipeg, really great. Uh, Montreal, he was eh, he was mad for me until last year's playoffs, right? Playoffs looked good. He really brought a lot of grit, a lot of just defensive prowess to this Montreal team that really just shut down some really fast, offensive-heavy teams. Now, you know, again, maybe Florida really, you know, again, this is why I'm not paid to be a GM, but maybe Florida saw something that I, I don't that just really fits well with their squad. Um, and maybe, you know, again, too, they wanted some insurance because look what happens, right? Aaron Eckblad goes down with an injury, and we don't know if he'll be back before the start of the playoffs. So um, all that aside, still, you know, Florida's going to have no issue making the playoffs, and to me that's not worth even giving up a first-round pick. I mean, yes, it is top-10 protected, but let's be honest, it's just not really something that <laughs> Florida really should be worried about anyways. Um, no. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. matter. But, right, exactly. But again, I think just again giving up three big pieces uh, for a guy like Ben Sherratt to me just is a little bit of an overpayment. And yes, I mean, maybe you give a little bit more because you're retaining salary. But again, I I could see if they had given up a second round pick for this, you know, Ben Sherratt and the fourth and the the prospect, I would have been fine with the, that. No issues. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, when you look at his numbers, I mean, even. You know, everybody everybody said, Oh, he's he played so well in the playoffs. Like Montreal went on a run because of their their uh really great defense. Like his possession numbers were horrible. Almost like forty one point seven in a Corsi. Uh I mean in the playoffs. Now I know that, you know, playoffs is a harder time of year to play, but I mean then you look at what he's done this season, forty two point three. Last season he was at a forty six seven in the regular season. Uh, for possession, but I, I mean, he's he's not shown his underlying numbers are just do not warrant what they gave up. And hey, if they go win the Stanley Cup, nobody gives a nobody cares. Exactly, nobody yeah. cares at all. But why? In my mind, why wouldn't you have gone out and paid this for? I mean, Mark Giordano. I, you know, Mark Giordano went for he goes to the Leafs for a second round pit, two seconds and a third, which is much more reasonable. And I think he's a better defenseman. Well, and they get Colin Blackwell in that deal, so really it was like probably more like he went for two seconds, right? Right. No, I agree. And I think the issue was obviously when when it comes to a guy like Giordano, right? The the salary cap, right? That the hit that he's going to bring with him. Um, now you would have to end up paying more to other teams to. Um, essentially, you know, take some of that hit and take some of that cap. And, you know, because this wasn't at the deadline and, and Florida wanted to jump on him quick before another team got at him, that's why you have to overpay, right? A guy like Giordano, Seattle basically could sit around and wait. And I guess, you know, from what I understand, they were basically giving Giordano the choice of where he wanted to go and being respectful in that aspect. So, 
uh, you know, ultimately, I, I think, you know, again, I, I agree with you. I would have rather paid this price for a guy like Giordano. But, again, the salary cap becomes an issue because then if you're Florida, you have a harder time acquiring a piece like Claude Giroux. Now, I also wonder, like, okay, Aaron, especially now, Aaron Eckblad's down. You look at the rest of your defense. Uh, they do get Robert Haig as well. Uh, the rest of their defense is suspect. It, it makes when you look at their defense, you go without Ekblad, you wonder oh, is that a is that a team that could win the cup? I don't know. Uh, and yeah, listen, does Sherrod like help McKenzie that? Weger. Yes, love Weger. I would put him in my top four any day. But sure, uh, sure. And it's not that they don't have top four defensemen, but they they've got a lot of guys that. You know, is Brandon Montour a top four? Maybe a four. He's like a four. They don't have a lot of these three two guys. They've got a lot of four five guys. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Gudis. He's a. He needs to be a third pairing guy. Same with the Robert Hag. And again. And at uh, least, at least you have the depth of Sharat. So I mean, I I understand now in the situation they're in. I still think it's an overpayment. But that wasn't the case when they when they paid for him, right? Sure. Eckley yes. wasn't hurt. So. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, I don't dislike the player i don't hate him uh i just don't like what they gave up for him okay uh, fair okay kelly yarn goes to the flames uh from the kraken the kraken get a second round pick a third round pick and a seventh round pick that is a good haul for a guy for kelly yarn in my opinion i mean he have he's having a nice season you know he's got 12 goals 26 points for a guy that's never scored more than 16 goals uh, I think that that's a nice haul. And obviously they, they see a little more than a guy who can put up points. They see a responsible player. And uh, I, I think a good fit in Calgary. No, I absolutely agree. And I love Yarn Kroc's game. I love everything he brings to the table because he has enough offensive ability to justify you know, being on your second or third line. He brings enough grit, enough sandpaper. He brings enough defensive qualities to where you can basically plug him in anywhere and pair him and you know play him against almost any line, and I would be okay with him going up against top players in this league. Uh, he's got enough speed. He's got enough, you know, again, defensive abilities to where I think again, Calgary saw, you know, okay, this is the price we're going to have to pay for a guy like this that I think can really fit well in our system. And again, they're retaining money, so for a million bucks, this yeah. guy is just worth yeah. every penny. <laughs> yeah, if you go to uh, Calgary's Calgary's uh, draft picks. For the next couple of years, it's slim pickings. This next right, draft, they've got a second, a fifth, and a seventh. I think based upon what you've seen in the regular season, if you're Calgary, you have to expect them to go pretty deep, right? And so, yeah, you don't care. You don't care. If they go on any kind of run, you don't care. Right. Back end second round picks. I mean, how many of those guys are NHL? Honestly, right? honestly so. especially in a year where within your division, it uh, of course, nothing is guaranteed and they're still very good teams. There are no great teams in the Pacific division. There's no other great team other than Calgary. Calgary this season has proven to be a great team. Uh, LA, not a great team. Edmonton, not a great team. Vegas, probably not even going to make the playoffs. So, well, I mean, we're, we're looking at a division that is wide open, which is potentially a berth in the, uh, unless you really crap the bed, it's a berth in the conference finals. Probably you're going against the Avs. And if there's one team in the Western Conference that I would look to and go, they they have a shot against the Avs. It's the Flames. Yep, absolutely. 
So I, I think the Flames are very wise to uh, to see what they can do, especially because you don't know if Johnny Goudreau is going to be back next year, and there was no way in hell you were trading him. So this with this group, this might be your last hurrah, and you see what you can do. Yeah, because I, I think, again, Sean Monaghan, he's going to get dealt this offseason to somebody. Um, yeah, Matthew Kachuk, you still got to sign him. So who knows? Maybe somebody walks in and offer sheets him, and you can't uh, resign him. So there he goes. But they're, again, they're, I, they would match. I think they would match oh, a $12 million dollar offer sheet for Matthew Kachuk. Oh, I agree. I think, yeah, <laughs> you you don't let a guy like that walk no. for sure. Um, actually, I guess if somebody offered $12 million for him, I think I'd take the, what, the, the four first four round first picks? Rounders? Yeah, I'd take four first round picks. <laughs> Um, okay, the uh, probably man, this is like the most lightning move. Just going out and snagging a guy that no one thought was even available. Uh, the Lightning acquire Brandon Hagel and a fourth round pick uh, in 2022, and a fourth round pick in 2024 from the Blackhawks for Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, and two first round picks. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning just oh. Oh, we don't have a third line, do we? Oh, we'll go get one real quick. All right, see ya. <laughs> this is like the Tampa Bay Lightning are like me playing NHL. Like, oh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to need those first round picks in six years. I'll just deal those two. <laughs> like, right? You can stack your team real quick. Uh, what did you think of this move for Brandon Hagel? And and uh, maybe maybe lump it in there with. Uh, with the other move that they made for Nick Paul, uh, acquiring him from the Ottawa Senators to kind of round out that third line. Yeah, let's talk about that third line, right? Again, he, he brings in, you know, a guy like Goudreau last year, uh, deals the picks, and then says, oh, you know what, hey, you know, again, you and I were talking about this team and what they might add, and of course my thought is they don't have cap space. Who are they going to bring in that could possibly fill in a third line? And But they go out and get a guy that's $1.5 million dollars against your cap for the next two years after this season. And all it costs you is two first-round picks that essentially, you know, again, if you're Tampa Bay, you're expecting to to go deep again. So they're glorified second-round picks at this point. Yeah, the guy's got 20 goals. I know, and that's the thing. He scores freaking goals. So now you have a guy, too, not only that you can plug in on your third line this year, but, oh, guess what? Andre Palat's not going to be resigned after this season. So now we have a guy we can slide into our top six next year. No problem and he's only costing us 1.5 million bucks. And then that you have the money such. from that you lose from Palat to go sign right. anyone else. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean that money's going to go towards uh, some raises oh, for a couple yeah. guys, but uh, you know, again, Nick Paul was a great uh, fantastic ad. This is a guy who can who can not only take draws in the center position but plays the wing as well. So now you've got a guy you can basically plug in anywhere. He plays the penalty kill very very well. He's smart. Uh, doesn't make a lot of defensive mistakes, and he can chip in a little bit offensively, which is basically what you need on that third line. So, uh, you know, right now they've got Paul, Nick Paul, and Russ Colton on the wing with Sorelli in the middle on that third line. Like Anthony Sorelli was was killing it on that second line, but and just the rich get richer is all I'm going to say. Yeah, they uh, they went from a team that you know was in a collection of teams who could be favorites for the cup. I mean, I don't know how they're not the favorite for the cup now. Right, truly, like I don't care what Colorado is flashing right now. Tampa Bay's done it twice, and they like they somehow find a way to make it. Like they're still hungry. It's clear. It's like an organizational from the top down. 
they are still hungry. They're trying to win their third straight cup. They'd be the first team to do it since the what the New York Islanders, Islanders in the nineteen <laughs> early nineteen eighties. Uh, it's something that in professional sports today, it does not happen. No teams are winning three years in a row. Barely anyone wins two years in a row. Right. So, Even when the Wings, the Avs, the Devils were just yeah. running the Cups in the 90s and early 2000s, they couldn't do it. Right, right. I mean, of course, you're, the goal isn't just to be com- contenders for two years. I mean, those teams kind of traded things off for a while. But the fact that they have a very good shot at winning three in a row, you got to take it. No one's gonna. No one's gonna go. You shouldn't have traded those. You should have waited and seen if you could. You know. No. No. You got to go for this now. Your your best players are in the prime of their career. It's time to roll. Uh, because you know what? Next year, this might not be. This your team might not look like this. Uh, the year after, your team. You know, some of these guys might not be here or playing at this kind of level. So, I I, I think it's wonderful. I think I love I love that they're so ballsy. Uh, to do something like this, it's. Uh, I mean, every organization around the league should be looking at how Tampa Bay does things and and figure out what they do and and emulate it because it's uh, it's fantastic. Okay, let's uh, Wild acquire Delorier from the Anaheim Ducks for a third round pick. He actually scored in his first game. The only, I think, the only player acquired to do so. Uh, just a uh, no, actually, Oscar Sunquist did it last night for the Red Wings. Ah, Sunquist, I didn't realize he scored for that. Ah, no, got I didn't. See- That's all right. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, all right, fine. He's the only player to score on a goalie. There you go. <laughs> uh, one of the bigger moves of the day: the Boston Bruins acquire Hampus Lindholm. They get their uh, their top four defenseman uh, in exchange for John Moore, Vakinen, and or Vakinen. I, I don't know how you say his name and. Uh, a few draft picks. What are your thoughts on this move? Yeah, I mean, they, they had to make this move, right? Because then they went ahead and locked him up for $6.5 million on a big extension there. So um, obviously they, they needed another guy on that back end besides Charlie McAvoy, right? And, um, you know, Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, they're good defenders, um, but they're not really like superstar defenders. When you look at the other teams, right, in this division, you look at, you know, for example, you know, we just talked about them, Tampa Bay, right? They've got Hedman and Ryan McDonough, right? Two bona fide top two defenders. And if you're a team like, you know, Boston, that's essentially their window is getting very, very small right now with, you know, Patisse Bergeron and Brad Marchand getting older. And, uh, you know, how yeah. long are they going to be around? And it's it's literally like, hey, we need to do something big. We need to do something quick. And now, and, um, you know, again, you look at the price that, um you know, Florida paid for Ben Sherrod and you, you essentially just look back and you say, okay, cool. We had to pay, you know, a little bit more, but we get a guy who brings you more offensive production is easily going to be able to play top two minutes and bring quality offensive numbers with it too. Well, the I'm fact, okay with the fact that he signed a long-term deal right, right after the acquisition, I mean, that makes the extra that you gave up all worth it. I mean, you got Hampus yep. Lindholm for eight years, granted, maybe you the end of those deals, that deal might not, who, who cares? You, you care about the next three years. Right. This isn't no longer a rental move. It's a hockey move. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And it, and it turns out great for the Bruins. One of the better deals of the day, I think very fair, but uh, I, the Bruins get the, get the best player in the deal. And I, I think that he takes the Bruins from that team that you went, well, yeah, they go on nice little runs. They're still a playoff team, but I, they don't have that, 
the back end that can defend against some of these Eastern Conference teams. Well, guess what? They maybe do. I mean, it's still, I think, a long shot for them to beat, uh, you know, either Florida or Tampa Bay round one. Uh, but, I mean, also, maybe they just catch the Leafs. <laughs> but then right. they still have to, that, it doesn't matter. Because, okay, let's say they catch the Leafs. They're still going to play Tampa Bay. Or they're still going to play Toronto. What like They're going to play someone uh, that's, it's not going to be fun to play them. Uh, and that's the hard part about this division. It's so, so freaking top heavy. It's unbelievable. I mean, you look at the fourth fourth place team, eighty three points. The fifth place team with fifty nine. <laughs> Whereas in the Central, you've got seventy eight and seventy three, and in the Pacific, you got seventy two and sixty eight, and the Metro, eighty and sixty seven. So the Metro is is a little farther, but I mean, what twenty four points separate fourth and fifth? That's 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 not typical from what we see. In uh, in years past, you don't typically see divisions where the team that you know in general is like in a playoff in playoff contention is so close. Uh, just to give you an idea of last year, the the most separation there was between teams. Now this is in a fifty six game season was eleven points uh, between fourth and fifth place. So to to be twenty four points apart with with games left to go, so this could still be. It could expand and likely will because the it seems like the top the top end is far better than the bottom end at this point. Uh, the last full season we had in the NHL eighteen nineteen, the most points that separated four and five was ten, <laughs> and this year you're at twenty four. So that, I I mean I wonder. Yeah, well I, I won't do it now, but maybe I'll dig back and I'll uh, I'll look through years past to see. If I can find a greater disparity between four and five, I I may have I just found a close one. In seventeen eighteen, the Florida Panthers had ninety six points. The Red Wings had seventy three. So there's twenty three points. That's pretty close. So, but anyways, we'll get back to trades. Sorry, down the rabbit hole. Um, one of the, <laughs> probably the biggest name of the day outside of Mark Andre. Uh, Claude Giroux goes to the Florida Panthers along with Connor Bunneman, Jermaine Rutsov, a fifth-round pick from the Flyers in exchange for Owen Tippett, a first-round pick in either 2024 or 2025, and a third-round pick in 2023. What do you think of what Philadelphia was able to get for well, somebody who was only willing to go one place? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? So you don't get much choice over trying to negotiate a bigger return. So the fact that they were able to get a first round pick, um, you know, again, even though it is a 2024, so you miss out on that, that loaded 23 draft, but, um, and you get a prospect in Owen Tippett who I don't, I don't know if, you know, he's still considered a prospect. He's just, you know, at this point at 23, you got to say, okay, either he's, you know, an NHL player or he's not. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's right there. He's in the middle. He's a, he's a good third, fourth line guy, right? Brings a little bit of grit. So you get a guy who can still be a roster player. Um, you still get a, a decent return for a guy like Claude Giroux, who you just basically are paying respects to saying, here, play your thousandth game, and then we'll send right. you where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, if go back and listen to our, to our show where we talk about the Panthers. It was our last show. Um, I said there that I thought the Giroux was a better fit for the Panthers than the Avalanche when the Aval everyone was all about him going to the Avalanche um, I thought that his style fit better he re- it reminded me of 
Yarmir Yager uh, a little bit slow. I mean, obviously Drew has far better wheels than Yager had at the end there, uh, but a little more cerebral of a player, more more of a positional kind of guy now. And I think when you when you put him with other really effective defensive forwards, like like potentially he'll play with with Barkov and Huberdo and. I mean, you can put Giroux with anybody you want. Uh, I think he just fits stylistically so well with the Panthers. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, he's uh, he's already slotted on that top line with Barkoff, Giroux, and Verhage. So that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a fun line to watch. And then you know, I would love to see. Um, boy, you talk about the perfect line right in Boston when they had Pasta, Marchand, and Bergeron playing together. I'd like to see what it's like when you put Huberdeau. Huberdo, you love calling him Huberdo. <laughs> I, I do. It's, just <laughs> it's one of my favorite things uh, that you say, Huberdo. Dude, dude, so good. But <laughs> I would love to see those three guys play on the same line at least for a few shifts and just see what kind of damage. Oh, I'm sure do. the power. I'm sure that power play is coming out at some oh, point. Yeah. It's got. It's gotta. You got to think. Oh, that. the power play already. I'm, I'm looking at it on Daily Faceoff where they where they put their lines out right because of. Ekblad's injury right now. Their first power play unit is Sam Reinhardt, Barkoff at center, Anthony Duclair up front, and then on the back end they've got Huberdo and Giroux. So five forwards. I can't wait. I love it. Uh, by the way, just about uh, half an hour ago, Evgeny Dadnov's trade to the Ducks was officially voided. Oh boy! Uh, it is. It has been concluded that. He could not be traded, and his limited no-trade clause had not been complied with. So he is still a golden knight. Ain't that a shame? <laughs> now how awkward is that going to be to walk into that locker room? Ooh, I don't know. Like, if he, well, sorry, we yeah. didn't want you here, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, he's going to have... I mean, all, uh, other thing is they can't activate anybody anymore. They can't activate right. Martinez. <laughs> uh, I know. I, uh... I kind of love it. Because the Vegas Golden Knights, the way that they run their organization, uh, like they've shown their hand too many times now. They are a bunch of d bags. <laughs> they are a bunch of assholes. Like they trade this guy, and they go, "Oh, sweet, he didn't. He did, he forgot to turn in his no trade clause. We're just gonna come over." They don't even care. That what in in my mind, how are you not? I don't know something. Hey, we're we're gonna be trading your your guy to this team. Well, we had a no trade clause no 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 we 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 we're ignoring that <laughs> at least they could have gone to capfriendly.com and found the no trade clause on there well right? it's, I mean, it's just it's not that there's they knew about that but they thought that he never he didn't submit his list in time uh so that's what they thought that oh we can trade him because he didn't submit his list but they never were like hey by the way uh you know you never submitted your list so we do have the ability to trade you wherever we want. We just we wanted to let you know uh, you did fail to produce this list. No, they just go well. No, yeah, we traded you because you didn't produce the list. So see ya. Like, <laughs> they are, and what they did to Mark Andre Fleury, they are a bunch of dicks. Yeah, we I only will say care. What? They only care about about winning. They don't care about the people in the organization. And I say, fuck them. Well, you know what? It's <laughs> so, going to be a bigger fu when they don't. Make the playoffs this year, right? They won't because make the playoffs. No, at this rate, they won't. But So here's the other thing, too, that's going to come from all this, is now you're going to get the NHL in this offseason. I think they're going to look you know, long and hard at the way teams manage their long-term IR because 
again, we had, you know, Tampa Bay, people were kind of raising an eyebrow to Kucherov, you know, the way they were running things. And now you're essentially having the same thing with Mark Stone and Vegas and Alec Martinez, like how all that shit is going down. Now the NHL is going to really look at it and be like, okay, well now we need to, you know, maybe tweak things the way teams can, you know, use their LTIR. Uh, maybe so they don't get away with shit like this. No, again. who cares? <laughs> Let them get away with it because it's screwing them over. <laughs> they they deserve everything they're getting right now. I, yeah, but had they been able to trade dad enough and then they make the playoffs, then they everybody would be sure. up in arms like they fucked everybody. You know, oh, but, I mean, the, the, the Blackhawks did that. The Lightning did that. I, I, other I teams have done it too. Um, but if he, I mean, I don't think that it's not that he's hurt. But if it were the playoffs, would he play? Yes. And I don't know. I don't know that you can say that it's fair to say, well, if the if everything's on the line, you might play. But when it's a regular season, you might not. You know, it's there is a difference. I mean, there's a reason why what Patrice Bergeron. Remember, he was playing with like broken ribs. No punctured way. Lung. Is he, he's not. <laughs> yeah, punctured lung. That's right. No way yeah. are you playing with a punctured lung in the regular season. No. Right. You no, know, you're not. But it's the playoffs, so you do. So there is a certain level of like, well, we're going to let this guy actually try to get healthy in the regular season, and we'll bring him back for the playoffs. And and it, in some ways, is legit, especially because if it was your team, you'd have no problem with it. Oh, of course not. You know, yeah. so I, I, I don't, I don't have a big issue with it, especially because it is biting them so hard in the ass right now. It is so <laughs> wonderful. I just, uh, yeah, I like the Tampa Bay Lightning did it. I don't really care. I thought it was pretty creative, and, uh, like a good use of space. Um, but the Tampa Bay Lightning do not have a douchey organization. The Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> are a bunch of uh, the. Uh, Maybe not all of, uh, not everyone that works for them, but the the people at the top, and they are just, it's so over the top. Don't give a crap about the people. They care about winning, and I, well, yeah, you want your team to to put winning as a very high priority. Um, remember how human beings are the reason that you win. You know that's. Anyways, yeah, I mean, I will say I I do like Vegas, but I do think this is karma for the dick move they pulled on Flurry last year. So, yeah, this is this complete karma. It's unbelievable. I love it. Uh, okay, let's we'll we'll hit a couple of these. Well, okay, you wanted to talk Travis Hamanick, uh, well, third I mean, round I, pick I to the to the Canucks or to the Senators. Need to talk about it, but I mean, to me, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah we don't need to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> no, this is the worst deal of the deadline. I mean, by far, just because again, if you're Ottawa, right? If this is the guy you want. And you have a team like Vancouver that needs to dump him because they need to get rid of that contract. They need to make space. Why Why give him a third-round pick? You could give them a seventh-rounder, quote-unquote, future considerations, and I guarantee you they would have given you Travis Hamanick. They There was no reason for them to give him a third-round pick. Now Vancouver has ammunition to make another, another deal, you know, this summer or whenever they, they freaking want to. But, um, you know, again, it's just something completely unnecessary. It was a waste of a pick. Basically, you're just throwing it in the garbage because Travis Kamenek is not an NHLer. He's maybe a seventh defensive player on your team. And for some reason, Ottawa theme seems to think that their analytics have proven something about Hamanick that other teams just haven't figured out. I don't know. We'll, see you we'll, later. We'll flag it. We'll flag yeah. it and see see what happens next year. Um, I have a feeling you're right. Um, I mean, we all know more than Pierre Dorian, though. Yeah. <laughs> <Right? laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the Kings get Troy Stetcher from the Wings for a seventh round pick. Uh, I, I, I like the move for the Kings, just a you know little depth move. 
Yeah, great depth move. This guy can move the puck well. He's a good skater, and uh, now it's proven even more valuable because you know we don't know if Drew Doughty's going to be back before the playoffs. Womp womp. Okay, uh, and it, speaking of a third-round pick from the Canucks, Travis Dermott goes from the Leafs to the Canucks for a third-round pick. Uh, love the move for both teams. Dermott uh, just having a bad season. Things haven't gone well uh, the last year, year and a half. And uh, you get a third-round pick for a guy who you probably weren't going to bring back next year, anyways. And he's kind of—he's not rolling the way that he has been. And I think he'll get a new opportunity in Vancouver. Yep, fresh start for everybody. And again, this kind of gives—you um, know—ties into that Hamonic deal, right? Again, you got a cap-strapped team in Vancouver that wanted to bring in a guy like Travis Dermott and wanted to basically, um, you know, bring in a better defensive player and. Ottawa let them do it and uh, you know Leafs again they needed to move some money so they could make this next move so I like it for both teams yeah the Leafs acquire Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell from the Kraken for two seconds 2022 and 23 and a third in 2024 uh, I always like I, I think it's wise when a team spreads out the the years that they give up picks in I, I just I think that it's smart Um uh, I think it gives you the it gives you the opportunity in later years to you know oh well we didn't give up a second a third all in this one year you know you kind of hang on to what you have granted you know the Leafs they have a first round pick then they've got a third and a seventh so it's uh it's it's close and also if I don't know if Minnesota their their seventh round pick is like conditional right now so there's there's a chance that uh, it goes their seventh round pick goes no it's not going to go. It was for some Br- Brennan Mennel. Do you know who Brennan Mennel is? <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> he's played 20 games for the Marlies. Um, he's not going to play 30 games for the Leafs this year. I don't think that's that's happening. No. Uh, I mean, overall, this is a great move for Toronto. You you have Kyle Dubas, who was outlandish, or not outlandish is not the right word. Uh, he was outspoken about not wanting to give up a first-round pick to acquire a defenseman, right? That was his goal from day one. He just he, – he's – he said it on multiple occasions. Our goal is to add a quality defender, and they get probably, in my opinion, the best defender available at the deadline. And Mark Giordano. They so you like him salary. more than you like a Hampus, Hampus Lindholm? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, at least for the deadline, right? For now, for for this playoff run, the end of the season, I like Mark Giordano much better than I would a, a Hampus Lindholm. Now, long term, Hampus Lindholm, yeah, is pr- the better move, but. You know, again, considering what the Leafs had to pay for Mark Giordano, he yeah, was clearly bad. the better. Yeah, it was great. Well, and, and you get you get Colin Blackwell. I mean, he's on pace for about twenty goals this year. He's he's having a nice year. Um, I I think it's a great move bringing him in. He's a hard nosed guy. Uh, you're gonna you're just getting depth uh, down the lineup, which is what really the other like the Leafs needed a defenseman, and they really needed some depth. Because you know, like a Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, these guys—they're—they're they're not playing the as well. And I think down the stretch, just needed to kind of give a little bit of a boost to uh, to that bottom six. So he—he he allows the Leafs to do a lot, uh, especially down the stretch. I think come playoff time, you're, you're going to see Spezza kind of perk back up. Wayne Simmons. He's gonna perk back up. I'm not like I'm not worried about these guys come come playoff time, but right now, 
as the regular season kind of hums along, they're not going to miss the playoffs. Like they're, I mean, in reality, in their last, what the Leafs last, like there's 20 games left in the season. If they win seven of those 20, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I mean, even if it would be, they'd be hard pressed, even if they, it's, it's going to be really, really tough to miss the playoffs. Columbus at 67 points is the next threat. I, I'm just using 96 points as my, like, as my gauge. Cause that's usually where you need to be. So the Islanders let's, or the blue jackets need 30 points. So they need 15 wins in their next 18 games. You think that's going to happen? No. No, it's not. So the, as long as I think you get the 96 points, they're in the playoffs. That's seven wins in the next 20 games. You're not worried about that. Uh, you just want to figure out your goalie situation and get your older guys rested. Start start benching Jason Spets every other game. You don't need him right now. And and get your get the rest of your team healthy and going. I think that that right. should be that should be priority. Get Muzzin back. Get get Sandine back. And, you know, last few games leading up, get your team back and, and play a couple games together and roll into the playoffs ready ready to go against Tampa or or Boston or whoever it may be. Yeah, and right, that's the thing, right? Colin Blackwell gives you the ability to rest guys like Jason Spezza yep. and Simmons so you have them fresh for the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, okay, Nick, uh, we already talked Nick Paul. Uh, let's go to um, Mason Appleton goes back to uh, to the Jets. Good for them. They're kind of... In lim- kind of in a weird limbo spot, they think I think they I think they think they can make the playoffs. Um, I don't see it happening still, but uh, they they get Mason Appleton back after uh, you know they trade Andrew Cop to the New York Rangers for uh, oh where did it go? It just it just went away. <laughs> oh my gosh, there it is, a, and and a sixth round pick for Morgan Barron, two conditional second round picks, which could become a first round pick. Um, and then a, a fifth round pick. So, yeah, what did you think of what the Jets did? Goodness, uh, listen, I I like the moves. I, I again, I think the Jets still have a slim chance at making the playoffs here. They're not completely out of the woods yet because Vegas is going to let everybody else jump them at this point. So, um, you know, hey, if Dallas can keep it up, good on them. I don't think Nashville's going anywhere, so it's going to be tough. But um, overall, I think. You know, for one, Mason Appleton, he's a guy that I think the, the Jets really like, and they don't have to give up much to get him back. So kudos on them. Andrew Kopp, he's a guy that I think, you know, ultimately the Jets would have really loved to have kept around. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they just – it probably wasn't going to happen long term, I think, for them. I think they really just um, needed to move on. They needed to to get something back for a guy like that. And uh, getting a couple second-round picks is, is great, and you get – you know, prospect. Now, granted, I know nothing about this prospect, so I really can't uh, speak on if you know he's he's a quality A prospect or not. But um, you know, again, Andrew Cop is a guy that you know can essentially go in and play some good middle six minutes. He can give you scoring. He can give you good defensive uh, play. And so, you know, he's he's a guy you can plug in almost anywhere and play in almost any situation. So, uh, good on the the Rangers here for for acquiring a piece that I think is going to be very very valuable for them in their deep playoff run because i think the rangers are going to contest now that they have some really good pieces here they addressed their right wing issue a little bit with vertrano and they added some depth uh for that third line there so the rangers are poised to make a run we'll see if they can do it on the 
you know, basically on the shoulders of Shesterkin. But yeah, uh, for the Jets, though, they got they got some good some good pieces back in return. So yeah, just uh, more Morgan Barron. He had, he did play thirteen games. The Rangers had one helper. Um, a fifteen point year in the AHL for the Hartford Wolf Pack, and he's he'll play for the Manitoba Moose in the AHL right now. Twenty three years old, and uh, he's he's a big boy, six four two twenty, plays center, uh, and can play the wing. So uh, sixth round pick in twenty seventeen. So somebody that I'm sure that the the Jets would love to be able to slot kind of in their bottom six somewhere uh, as he continues to develop. So uh, kind of a you know. There's a chance he could play in the NHL. Is he going to be a top six guy? No, uh, but a depth guy for the for the Jets in the future. Yeah, uh, and let's not forget too that if you know Andrew Cop plays fifty percent of their games and the Rangers go two rounds, uh, it turns into uh, yeah, first round turns pick. into a first rounder. So not a bad haul for a guy that's a middle six player. No, not at all. Uh, and I think probably better than a middle six. You know, he's 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 making himself a top six six player now at this point. In um, the way that he played, you know, a good defensive guy, uh, kill penalties and that. So, yep. Uh, I liked Marcus Johansson going back to the Washington Capitals. Uh, not a hugely significant move, but I, I do like some depth for the Capitals there. Capo uh, Kakinen goes from the Wild to the Sharks uh, for defenseman Jacob Middleton. I like this move by the Wild as it's coupled with bringing Marc Andre Fleury to the Blackhawks for a conditional first round pick. Uh, I believe the condition they have to get, they have to win two rounds. Uh, otherwise it's a second round pick. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I love both these moves for, for every team really. I mean, right. San Jose, they really don't have any long-term solutions in that. And Capo Kakinen may or may not be that he's 25. So uh, you'll find out in the next year or two, if he is going to be a starter for the next five, six years, four year or not. Jacob Middleton is going to be a solid four or five defenseman for Minnesota. So really you get a decent return at a, a, a cap it that's next to nothing for you. So that's fantastic. And of course the big prize you get to, because of that move, you open up a goaltending spot for the flower who waived his no trade clause to go to Minnesota because he apparently seems to think that they're going to go deep. And uh, I don't really disagree with you. If he gets on fire, man, Minnesota could really make some noise because they like to grind. They like to play heavy and hard and, uh, they got some couple pieces in there that can really, you know, bring that offensive prowess too. So this is a this will be a fun team to watch with Mark Andre Fleury back there. Yeah, they've got a they've got a what looks like a playoff team, like a team that could just they kind of remind me a little bit of the New York Islanders, a good system, a lot of guys who can play defensive, like responsible defensively, and some tough nose. Like that third line is just monstrous uh they 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 play a good defensive game there's really outside of Kirill Kaprizov there's really no like man is that guy a superstar they're they're they don't have those type of guys Kaprizov is uh but they've got a lot of really good players really like and and some bordering on great but uh they're they're getting everything they can from the guys that they have and frankly they better they better do that because uh next year you know, you've got what twelve point seven million dollars on the books for Parise and Suter. Uh, yep. And then the following year, almost fifteen, fourteen point six, and fourteen point six the following year after that. So, I mean, essentially the next two years, 
let's say the the cap even if the cap goes up to like 83 million i mean the wild are working on a 68 million dollar cap <laughs> the next 3 years <laughs> that's that, that's going to be tough that's going to be really tough to have a a really competitive team in my opinion so uh now's your time you better win yeah especially because if you don't win right now the fans are going to be looking at you and saying okay why'd you create this giant cap hit of dead money here and we need to add a top six centerman right or or, you know a superstar winger to score some goals but now we don't have the money to do it right so yeah it's weird that nobody i mean they could have eaten half the salary and traded those guys i don't know you would have thought there was a different solution but probably not uh okay yeah but anyways the Minnesota Wild definitely one of the teams that you know there there's good teams that make good moves like the Colorado Avalanche made some they made some good moves you know they they improved their team they filled some holes and and they are they are a, like they were a good team and they they remain a good team they they filled in some depth the Minnesota Wild though I mean I I think that they made themselves significantly better with this move just because of oh, the yeah. swagger that uh, MAF brings to the table. Uh, and not only that, too, but now you play a lot more confident hockey, right, behind a guy like that. When when you're playing in front of him, you're just thinking, okay, cool. You know what? If we make a mistake, he's got our back. This is a top 10 goaltender. A yeah. Vesna winner from last year. When's the last time the Minnesota Wild had a player with this kind of clout? You know, I, I don't Ooh. think they ever have. Marc-Andre yeah, Fleury, like... Has there ever been a, a Hall of Fame player come through Minnesota? I mean, they've had really good players. I mean, Marion Gabrick was fantastic. Suter, Parise, really great players. I don't think they're Maybe Hall of Famers. Maybe not like Danny Heatley or... Uh, not Hall, but he's not a Hall of Famer, though. No, like, no. He, he may be the, the biggest name to ever play for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, I mean, really, outs, outside of, like, you know, Ryan Suter, I think he was, you know, Ryan Suter to me is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe, so? but uh, maybe. I, I mean, he's never won line, a Norris Trophy. No, but uh, again, I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, again, when you look at the accolades, the Stanley Cups that Mark Andre brings with you, you know, again, it's, it, there's been no one like him and then organization before. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's scoot through the last few moves here. Last, I guess, big moves. Uh, Nick Letty does end up moving. We talked a lot about him potentially moving. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned earlier, Oscar Sundquist, one of the pieces coming back as he gets uh, a goal in his first game, along with Jacob Wallman, who I like, and a a second-round pick. What did you think of this move for your Red Wings? Yeah, uh, like the addition of Jake Wallman and a second-round pick for a guy like Dick Letty, uh, Luke Witkowski, he's a guy who can play on your fourth-line wing or can play, you know, your bottom-pairing defense minutes uh he's one of those flex guys those rarities um he's a poor man's brett burns let's just put it that way um (laughs) a very very poor poor. he's very poor um but oscar sunquist is the the question mark for me because you know he's got term right he's still got another year left but my my long-term thought process is you know now you have a guy another trade another piece basically you can move next year you can move in the offseason and get another draft pick because you could essentially get sure. a third rounder for a guy like that <clears throat> yep. who can, you know, play third line minutes. And so now if you're Steve Eisman, you think, cool, I can hang on to him. He can, you know, give me some, some minutes next year, or maybe I move him, you know, this summer and I can get something else for him. Yeah. And I mean, you, uh, what they also traded Nichushkin or uh, not, Nichushkin, sorry, Nemesnikov, uh, 
who he kind of replaces in my mind. Like that's a that's a pretty two pretty comparable players. Sure. Uh, in terms of where they slot in the lineup. You know, Nemestikov maybe has a little better goal scoring ability, um, but he doesn't do much more than that. Kind of a one dimensional guy. Sure. Which uh, he goes to the Dallas Stars. So the Red Wings, I mean, the Red Wings just kind of scooping up picks along the way, eh? Yeah, why not, right? And uh, I think Eiserman's at the point now where he's he's going to stop acquiring picks. I think, you know, you almost need to start making some, some hockey trades at this point to bring in players because uh, the Red Wings do have a lot of unsigned draft picks now. So um, really acquiring more draft picks is going to be difficult. And so I think... You know, you might see Eisenman make some bigger moves this summer to move out some of those picks and prospects to bring in bigger name guys that they maybe can't sign in free agency, et cetera, et cetera. I like it. Uh, one of the bigger moves, uh, an actual player with term, Arturi Lekkonen from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for Justin Barron and a second round pick going to the Avalanche. The Avalanche, uh, again, another move to just kind of round out their their top nine. Yeah, yeah, quality player. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken, though, I don't believe he has any terms. No, so he doesn't have terms. Yep. Okay. Yep. I misspoke. Yeah. But uh, but still, you get a guy who can play in your top six on your second line, and if needed, maybe move down to the third line. But um, listen, he's he's a guy that brings you know quality play at both ends of the ice. So oh, wh- you know, so you can move him, you know, and put him on the second power play unit. You can put him on the second penalty kill unit if you need to. Um, you know, and again, he's he has the pedigree to go along with it too. Having have a deep playoff run last year with Montreal, he knows the grind it's yep. going to take, and so brings a little bit of that to Colorado. Absolutely, and and you're right. He doesn't have term, but he is an RFA. Uh, right. So, so yeah, he will be around. So he's he's protected in that way. He can't go anywhere, um, and that is especially important when you consider like Andre Barakowski, Nazem Kadri, Nichushkin. I don't think all, maybe none of those guys come back next year. I mean, they, they do have a, a good bunch of cap space next year, but they're probably not signing anybody to beast beast contracts because of Nathan McKinnon's contract coming up. You know, you're, you got to plan for that. Um, I imagine that on like July 1st, Nathan McKinnon's going to get 12 million bucks or some, something along those lines, right? Like he's going to get, yeah. he's going to get Marner Matthews, how is he not unless he's willing to take a big discount and that's why he's not taking a lot of money you have to think he's going to get 10 million minimum oh yeah i mean yeah if he takes a discount it'll be 10 million dollars right but uh yeah i i think he's probably a 12 million dollar guy he's going to want to say hey you know what I, I want more than panarin but obviously you know colorado has that chip to say you know you're not i mean in their mind they're never going to say you're not as good as mckinnon but let's be real he's no you know, I'm sorry, not McKinnon. He's no McDavid. So, um, you know, there's that chip for them to still play, I guess, in the back of their pocket. But, but I mean, McDavid, hey. McDavid at the same time, you think like, well, McDavid was signed several years ago. Sure. So yeah. there, there also is that, you know, he was signed, uh, well, he signed an eight-year deal and he's in the fifth year of it. So he's halfway through that deal. I mean, if you think about what $12.5 million was worth four years ago, <laughs> the way that inflation has gone, it's uh, significantly less. I mean, to you and me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. I'll take 10, I'll take 12, I'll take the, the hit. But Yeah, I uh, guess it depends on you know how badly they you know can convince them to say, hey, you know what, we need to save some money so we can replace Najem Kadri or get him re-signed, right? So, yeah. 
that's that's the uh, the bargain right there because you know again you know maybe they can move Eric Johnson's contract this offseason and and free up some money that way but it's still going to be difficult. How many times has Andrew Hammond been dealt at the deadline? <laughs> I know he actually I can't remember if he came out and said it or if someone just you know, literally was talking to him and he's just like, man, you know what? I wanted to stay in one place for a whole season. That's what he basically said. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's uh, got to be rough on those guys. Uh, I, I also a uh, side note for the avalanche. I know he's kind of like a bottom uh, fourth line guy, but I love Andrew Cogliano coming over and, and maybe get a little bit of a resurgence here for one more run for Andrew Cogliano. I, I think if the avalanche win the cup, I think Cogliano probably just calls it quits. Yeah, yeah, and I I like him too, and you know he's a bottom line guy, but he brings good penalty kill ability to this team uh, in leadership. And let's face it, Colorado does not have a great penalty kill right now, so if they can add a little, you know, sandpaper piece to go back there and help, you know, soar that up a little bit, then kudos to them. Oilers get Brett Kulak from the Montreal Canadiens for a prospect, a conditional second and a seventh round pick. Uh, Oilers kind of shore up their defense a little bit do their last little move yeah everybody was expecting the goaltender right to be addressed uh clearly wasn't but now they get a guy who you know got a little bit of time last year in the with with the montreal playoff run that they had and so we'll see i mean it never hurts to add defensive depth right no no absolutely not and and they need it (laughs) Uh, the penguins get ricard raquel in what i felt like was the like the haggling deal like he's the he's that next he's that guy for the P- Pittsburgh Penguins potentially that like uh he he has the potential to score more he's done it before let's see if he can do it for us yeah i agree i think you know what if you can plug him in with you know Gino or Sidney Crosby i mean i don't think he'll play with Crosby because you know he's looking good with Gensel and Rucks yeah, on his yeah. wings but you know if you can put him with Gino and get him going that way i mean Heck, there's, I mean, there's no reason why he probably couldn't be a 40-point player again. So, uh, you know, it'll, it'll take a few games to get him acclimated. But, um, you know, if anything, I think they get a steal of a guy here, um, you know, who really just – who can bring a lot of offensive power. And he's still fast. He's still uh, responsible enough. So we'll see see what happens with that. Oh, wow. I think a lot of thunder just happened. <laughs> Yeah, Did you, I, could you I hear that? that? I heard that, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've heard it, too. There's been some going on in my neck of the woods right now, so that's uh, that's been fun to, to listen to in the background. But uh, I wonder if it yeah. just hit my house, because that was loud. <laughs> that was loud, yeah. I feel like it was across the street almost. That was, but, uh, <laughs> that was weird. Um, Tyler Mott goes to the Rangers, a decent little pickup from the Canucks. Really the only move the Canucks uh, – I mean, the Canucks didn't do a whole lot, and they could have done more. We all talked J.T. Miller and all that. They they don't end up moving him, but they move Tyler Mott out. I think they're still trying to – there's still hope for the Canucks that they make the playoffs, I think. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? And um, Five you know, points again, out. I, yeah, why wouldn't you give it a go, give it a try? Because uh, I am still kind of shocked, though, that really we didn't see – um, you know, a Brock Besser move here. I was kind of hoping for a bigger piece. But, again, that kind of goes back to the – you know, the thought process that, hey, we're we're still in it, right? So don't get rid of this guy. I mean, he's an RFA, so they don't have to move him. Maybe they just didn't get any deals that they like. But, um, I mean, if I was Vancouver, I think I would have just tried to get as much as possible because when teams get desperate for scoring at this point, there's not too many guys like, you know, Brock Besser that come about at the deadline. So uh, right. you probably could have got maybe a little bit more. 
Yeah, I, I, I think though that Besser maybe you know maybe they they evaluated it and they said this would be dumb to trade this guy. We can get him. We can get him going again. Yeah, that, maybe that would new be coach, my assumption. Right? Yeah, just start a whole new season with a whole new training camp and maybe we get him going again. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, Max Domi, probably the last like just kind of that one that slipped in the last minute. Max Domi goes to the Carolina Hurricanes along with a, pros- a prospect from the Blue Jackets in exchange for uh, a defensive prospect. Florida Panthers get Igor Korshkov and a sixth-round pick in 2022. Your thoughts on uh, really just Max Domi going to the Hurricanes? Yeah, I really like this acqui- acquisition for uh, Carolina, right? And, um, you know, of course, right after deadline pass, we we see them sign Coquit and Niemi to a long-term deal, and I think Max Domi is is a guy who can add a lot of depth to this team that is already just, again, like like Tampa Bay, right? You, you try to think about how they could possibly add and get even better, and now they add a guy who can not only play the wing but plays the center position very well. Um, you know, he's not the world's greatest face-off guy, and, I mean, let's be honest, they've got plenty of guys who can take face-offs. In Carolina, there's no shortage of you know Jordan Stalls and Ajos that can that can win you draws. So now you've just got another guy, more depth, right? In case anybody gets hurt, he can literally slide anywhere. Top line minutes, he can play third line minutes. So you've got such flexibility with a guy like Domi that's going to basically cost you a little over a million dollars to play, and you really don't have to give up a ton for him either, which is just surprising, right? They have to give up, um, you know, a good yeah, prospect. prospects, yeah. But uh, really, I mean, I look at a guy like Korskov from, you know, Yurgo Korskov playing in the KHL right now. I'm, there's rumors going around that he may never even come over to the right. NHL. So it's a, it's you know, a lot. It's a, you know, it's, it's a cross your fingers and hope maybe someday he does. Right. Yeah. So you give a, you know, Columbus gives a six round pick to, to Florida for keeping some money and Florida and Carolina or Columbus gets themselves a decent prospect. So um, shoot, if anything, you know what? I, I think this is just a home run for everybody because uh, really Max Domi wasn't going to re-sign with Columbus, so you get something while you can, and um, heck, Carolina gets themselves a heck of a player. Who are you most disappointed with on this trade deadline day? Most disappointed with? Who? Um, I think if I had to say most disappointed with... Um, Man, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think I would probably say um, I would probably say Buffalo and Detroit, and I only say that because um, I would have liked to have seen them use their cap space a little bit more to help, um, you know, broker some deals to acquire a few more picks. Yeah, we Not didn't see much of that. We didn't see right, nearly as much. For example, like there was a guy, you know, PK Subban was a guy I expected to move out of New Jersey, right? Because clearly they're out of it. Right-handed defensemen are a premium, and you know, always coveted. Um, clearly a team like Buffalo could have brokered a deal to keep some of his cap hit and help the team acquire him. Um, but really other than that, I think, you know, and again, it's, it's not necessarily a, a big disappointment that they, they really couldn't get it done. But, um, I think other than that, I would probably look at maybe a team like the Islanders that really didn't do much. And they're basically saying like, Hey, we went out and re-signed Zach Parise and Clutterbuck and, and I think right now they're saying that they still think they can be competitive and play in this league. And yes, they're they're seven two and one in their last ten. But uh, to me, I just don't think that they're a playoff team, and I don't think next year they're going to get back in the form. So 
you know, why keep Varlamov around? Lou Lamorello him? disagrees with you. I know. He absolutely Severely. Does. He believes that this team, this is a blip. This is just a, like a weird season, and it's happened before. You know, there, there has been seasons where really good teams miss the playoffs. They come back the next year, Tampa Bay Lightning or one, and, uh, and they do well. So sure. I, I get it. Like, this team's so old that at this point, whenever you decide that, okay, this isn't working, it's, it's all coming down. And I, I think you, you, this group does deserve one last shot at it. Based on what they've done the last two years, going to the Final Four, I think they, I think they deserve one more shot. I think, and in the off season, they, you know, they'll probably make some, some adjustments, some moves, uh, and I, I think you'll see maybe one of these guys that they've got signed to uh, a long term deal. Maybe one of the moves just to, you know, kind of, kind of shake things up a bit. But I think they're going to give it one more shot. And I think they yeah. they probably should because the other option is to just tear it all down and then you're back to square one. So I understand not doing that. Yeah, I mean clearly that's the the thought process, right? When you really don't make any you know big moves and don't unload your pieces, right? Well, you could have so, traded Andy Green or Zidane Chara. Right. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely could have, and they didn't. Um, you know, maybe that's just out of respect for you know some of those guys to say, you know what, hey. Um, you know, if you don't want to move, we're not going to move you. Yeah, that's true. Um, if they say they don't want to go anywhere, then there's no point in trading them anyway. Yeah, I mean, let's let's. I don't want them if they're not if they don't want to go anywhere. You know, <laughs> right? Um, I think outside of that, really, I I would have to say too, maybe. Um, you know, I'm 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 a little upset that Ryan Getzlaff didn't get moved because I would have liked to have seen him go to a contender. But nah, again, that's another respect thing, right? Anaheim. Right? Yeah, that's that's a respect thing for a guy who's won his cup. That maybe like I don't want to go anywhere, but. Uh, I got to tip my hat though to Anaheim and Seattle for you know making some moves and acquiring a lot of a lot of valuable pieces to their rebuilds and or not necessarily rebuild for Seattle but their continued build. So uh, again, tip of the cap to those guys. I I was just disappointed with the Washington Capitals. Uh, I feel like the Capitals are in this spot where this is kind of it. Like their team is mm-hmm. getting old. Their their core is like older than the Islanders here and. Uh, this it seemed like they could have done something to give their team a a boost, and I understand that you know there's there like everyone you don't have a lot of cap space and yada yada. Uh, I just I think they're the things that like the Tampa Bay Lightning have figured out <laughs> to do. I mean, maybe there was just someone that you could have moved. You could have moved a Lars Eller and brought in someone else. You know, just Eller's not having the best season. I think you could have. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's options out there, and it just felt like they didn't make really any significant moves. Marcus Johansson, yeah, he's a nice fourth line guy. Is he going to win you a playoff series? No. Uh, so uh, that that would be my my gripe would be with the uh, the the Washington Capitals. I didn't feel like they did enough to kind of give this group one last shot at a cup run. Okay. Yeah. No. I I don't disagree with you at all. For sure. They definitely. Uh... I would have liked to have seen a big splash too, for for sure. All right, well, there is our trade deadline recap show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Now, Justin, we just get to watch hockey. <laughs> I for, love it, and uh, and you know we'll let the rumors begin to fly in like a month when half the league is out of the playoffs. Beautiful. All right, well, we uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your week, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. 